Father, we just come to you this evening. We just thank you. We just praise you. We just worship you. Come, Lord Jesus. Anoint your word, Lord. It's your word that is life. And I pray the hearing of the word will bring life, Lord. Your word is healing. Your word is deliverance. Your word sets captives free. Your word creates everything. And everything was created and held together by the power of your word. And even now, Lord, as we listen, as I pray, I pray ears will be unclogged. Minds will be opened. Hearts will be touched. Bodies will be healed. Captives will be set free. Because we believe in the power of your word. The anointing of the Holy Spirit. For you never change, Lord. For you are the same yesterday, today and forever, Lord. So let your word do its work. Unto that end, I release the ministry of your word, Lord. Speak to us, teach us, equip us to stand in our hour of trial. And after everything is over, the power of your word, like Job, to be found standing. For in Jesus' name we pray. Amen, amen, amen. So we looked yesterday. The word of life. So we go to Matthew chapter 6 and verse 33. And uh, we'll start there. Though I'm not preaching strictly from there. But everything is tuned towards ultimately this. How do we seek? And what do we seek? But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Probably for a believer, this is one of the most, once you come to Christ, once you come to the Lord, when you enter into the kingdom, this should define our life, our every day. So God says first, seek Seek first the kingdom of God, not when it is convenient. Not when you have dealt with all the other issues in life. He says, seek first. And seek first what? The kingdom of God. If you look at all the situations people are going through as individuals, as families, as nations, the entire world. If you look at it, there is only one solution to everything, that is, his kingdom. When will all the trouble cease? When the kingdom comes. Everything is an end. The kingdom begins. It's a kingdom of righteousness. There is a solution to everything. In the same manner at the basic level, the troubles in every individual's life. What is the answer? Jesus taught us to pray, Thy kingdom come. That's where it all begins. And that's why we come to the ministry of the word. Because it is the ministry of the word and the anointing of the Holy Spirit who teaches us that, teaches us 
how do we seek the kingdom how do we know the kingdom is growing in us <clears throat> how do we allow the kingdom of god become our reality that's where the primacy of the word of god comes the word of god is primarily the constitution of god given to man on earth that's why we saw in psalm 138:2 you don't have to go there i have magnified the word above all my name let's look at how jesus first as i'm establishing this premises let's look at how jesus is introduced in various gospels in matthew 1:1 jesus is introduced as the son of david and the son of abraham that's how jesus is introduced in mark 1:1 jesus is introduced as the son of god the beginning of the gospel of jesus christ the son of god in john 1:1 he is introduced as the word the living word in the beginning was the word and the word was with god and the word was god luke does not introduce like that but luke introduces every minister of god in chapter 1 and verse 2 how are we introduced luke 1 2 as those who are from the beginning were eyewitnesses and the ministers of the word delivered them to us we are ministers of the word so if you put it together who is jesus jesus is god he is the word and for on earth he is the son of david the son of abraham and who are we we are ministers of the word okay you put together how jesus is introduced in the beginning was the word the word was with god and the word was god when he came down in the flesh he was a son of david the son of abraham and he committed the word to his servants and we become ministers of that word and the holy spirit comes the word comes together it becomes the living word so when we use the term word in hindi we say vakya parmeshwar ki vakya vachan okay it means technically if you want to go to the technicalities it's a letter set of set of letters and letters signify sounds they have been put together to give meaning to denote something so ultimately the what is we use the word we use the word to communicate to pass across ideas ultimately ideologies and ultimately the word that gets into us defines our world view and how we look at life ultimately that's why children do not perceive because they don't have the word in them they don't have language in them they do not have perception because there is no language so just look at us and smile at us and per- that's the way it is okay but all of them had different levels of perception so when we use the term word it is both used in terms as ideas signifying ideology but when we use from the pulpit also means what god has spoken and god has a person okay jesus christ is the word of god that's what it means in the beginning was the word it's not an idea the word was with god and the word was god so it's a difference from every everything else we listen everything we communicate through word and understand through words but when it comes to the word of god don't deal it in the same manner because the word of god also is a person okay it's also a person 
So when the word becomes, scripture says, the word become flesh, became, John 1.14 if I am right, and dwelt among us. So that is when word becomes, see, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory, the glory of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and full of truth. That's when the word becomes our reality. Our physical human reality is when God came down on earth, we saw if the word had two legs, how it would live, how it would function. So many ways he was just like us. Yet, deep within and in so many other ways he was absolutely different. How would God look if he was a man? That is the word becoming flesh. So now understand the purpose of Bible study. It is not gathering knowledge, though that's one of the purpose. It's not gathering wisdom. Yes, understanding all that. It's ultimately it becomes our life. The word has to become my life. Otherwise, it has failed. Because we all went to colleges. We gathered a lot of knowledge. We gathered a lot of... It has not become life. It has not become life. In so many people, it has become life because they think the way they were taught. Okay, And that becomes their life. But in that, that life is temporary. It is temporal. It will die with us. And we will die with it. But in this case, this life is eternal. Now, when we were saved or born again by the word, the Bible in Ephesians 2.6 talks about a spiritual reality. Okay, It is a spiritual reality into which we need to grow. Scripture says when we were born again, we were born again in Christ. So we were raised up together and made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Okay, We were raised up, put in him, and we were seated with Christ Jesus. Let me explain to you what it means actually. Okay. When, let us, let me think back of the last baby, my little Maddie girl. She was an orphan baby, special needs baby, abandoned. So when she used to be with me, living with me at my home, during, especially during dinner time, she would say she only, only would want to eat by sitting on my lap. She would sit on my lap and eat. Now, is she sitting on my lap? Yes. But does she perceive reality like me? No. So we are seated in Christ Jesus. But do we perceive reality like him? No. Scripture says, then there are times when I used to carry her around, she's being carried on my shoulders. Now she has a better view than me. Because she's one notch higher than me. But does she see life like better than me? No. So God says about Benjamin, he carries him on his shoulders. Does Benjamin see better than God? No. Does he even see like God? No. No. There were times when I had to play horse with her and I was the horse. She was the child who sat on my back and I went all around the front room. Okay, now she's sitting on my back. Now that's exactly how God says he carried Israel like an eagle carries. Okay, the eagle carries the eaglet on its back. That's how it carries and brings it. So Israel is on God's back. He carries it. But did Israel see like God? Okay, so we need to realize there is a positional reality, but it only becomes functional wherever we are seated positionally, only when we learn to grow, to think like God, and live like God, act like God. So this is a process. The entire purpose of salvation is one day we will end up thinking like God. Then we will understand reality. That's when the word becomes life. 
Okay, so yesterday we saw about be smart, choose the kingdom of God. Now let us see, now that we have entered into the kingdom of God, not the world, we exited out of the world, entered into the kingdom. Let's see what it is to be smart in the kingdom. How do you become smart? Now that you became smart and entered the kingdom, God says, okay, now you are all at the same level. Now you need to be smart in the kingdom. Okay, so first we will look at, today we are looking only at the word, through the word. Luke 8, 11, at the word, through the word. 8, 11. Now the parable is this, the seed is the word of God. So God is using parables. Jesus uses parables to teach us spiritual realities of how it really, really functions. Because he's speaking to a simple crowd and actually, when the word of God comes, everybody is a simple crowd. Even the philosopher will not understand what is being said unless God simplifies it. It will be lost on him. So everybody has to first come down, humble himself before God and sit like Mary at, at his feet. Whether you are Nicodemus or you are demon, where demon persist or illiterate, everybody is the same level when it comes to the word of God. So never ever think we understand the word because we went to university. Uh, no way, I've seen people, even in my generation, have seen people who were carpenters and alcoholics and all whom God delivered in Kerala. Boy, you have to hear them preach. You, would, you wouldn't be able to, the scholar would not be able to withstand. This is my issue with people because people think you need to go to university or you need to go to this to understand the word of God. No, you need to go to God. You need to go to God. And God is the teacher. And our background is irrelevant. Actually, the more educated you are, the more difficult it is to understand scripture. Because it becomes more difficult for you to humble before God. The other man is automatically humble because he doesn't know much. So he's actually tuned towards humility than the rich, the wise, the noble. That's why God says not many who are rich or wise or mighty or noble are called. Because it's a difficult job for to work on them. How long will God have to work on to get a man to humble himself? Look, look at, look at, uh, look at Aaron, who was the slave. Okay, I tell you, I'm not saying he became what he should have become, but look at Aaron. How many days did it take God for Aaron to speak what Moses said? One day. How many years did it take for God to make Moses speak what God was telling him? Forty years. That's the difference between a wise man and a fool. Everybody wants to be wise in the world. It took God 40, because he was chosen, he was the one to be. But it took God 40 years because most before Moses will listen to him. Aaron one day, your brother is coming, he will be a mouthpiece. Moses says, Aaron repeats. Moses says, Aaron repeats. Moses says, Aaron repeats. He didn't take God much time to make Aaron his mouthpiece. You need to understand why we really, really, really struggle. And until we come to this and magnify God's word above everything else, you know what? We still will struggle because the struggle is here and the struggle is here. So God says the parable, the seed is the word of God. So God is using a very common illustration from day-to-day -day life. How does a farmer farm? He doesn't sow just like that. What he does is, before he can get the seed to be sowed, to be planted, because seed is very precious, very precious. Previous harvest, he kept the seed away. 
It's very, very precious. Okay, very precious. That's what happening with. Why did God give Isaac hundredfold? Because it was precious seed which he was storing and in the time of famine, if that seed dies, he has no more seed left. So it will take incredible seed, faith, to take your seed which you have stored to sow when there is nothing in reality that will bring forth. Because it, if it doesn't happen, it is dead. And by the time I wait for another year or the rains to come, I have no seed to plant. Okay, so that's why it's an incredible harvest he gets because it's an incredible act of faith. Okay, so we need to realize that he prepares the entire field. He prepares, he digs it up. He digs it all up. He creates a condition that is conducive for the seed to bring forth a harvest. So in that parable, we are not looking at that parable, there are four kinds of soil and it is only one soil that brings forth an harvest. So that means the soil was a prepared soil. So there is a preparation to hearing the word of God. There is a preparation and prayer, trace, these are all preparations to primarily hearing the word of God. We prepare our minds, we prepare our hearts, we take all the weeds off. If you ever done gardening in your life, you will realize, you will dig it all up, you will take all the stones out, you will take out all the weed off, you prepare it nicely, make the soil very, 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 very loose, and then only you plant. And God says, do you think you can just come out of the world and sit there and listen to my word and it will bring forth anything? He says, no, it doesn't. There is a preparation for it. It's, it's a, there is a preparation for it. And we have to prepare. We have to prepare our hearts and our minds. It doesn't just grow like that. And that's why the word of God is not wasted. People are wasted. The word of God will always work. Somebody will hear Somebody has prepared, somebody's heart it is bringing forth fruit. The others, like even now, it's a relaxation time. But actually it is not a relaxation time. You are thinking lockdown has made it a relaxation time. People all get their dinner, everything together and they sit there. and they. But actually you are thinking it as a relaxation time. You will miss the word. The word of God is never relaxed. It's never relaxed. It doesn't matter whether it is seven days a week or one once a week. There is still a preparation that takes place before you come for the word because you are telling God, this is your word and I'm preparing for it. I take you seriously. And God says, I take you seriously. Because there is an issue. If you go to Corinthians, Paul will say, Paul plans, yes, 1 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 6. I planted Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. And verse 7, therefore the one who planted, the one who watered, neither he who plants is anything nor he waters, but meaning God says, now he's actually talking about the ministry of the word. He says, you can do whatever you want. I look into every heart how they prepared for me and I decide the increase. And in some cases, there will be no increase at all. That's the reality. Because this is his word. It's not my word or any pastor's or any preacher's word. And this is his word. And there are people. And that's what he's looking at Mary and telling the whole world through his word that day. 
This one thing will never be taken away from her. Why? She is prepared for my word. She's prepared. She preparing for my to feed my physical body, but she is preparing for my word and have exalted my word above all my name. So even though we have been preaching for 50 days, 51 days, 52, 53 days, there are some people who are preparing. And in them, it will bring forth life. So there is a preparation that goes. Because I am nothing. The one who waters is nothing. The one who matters is God. And increases in his hand. Otherwise what happened? The seed has gone void. It will come back to him. And to some others, it will bring forth. So please understand that. That's the work of the Holy Spirit. The good part is it, once it starts growing, environment is all correct, we put it all done, according to God has said, it will start yielding fruit. Once it starts automatically growing, you have understood how the word works, the word has become life, then you and I don't have to worry about what we should do, how should I serve God, all you have to allow is the seed to grow. That is what it is talking about being. You will be blessed and your life will be a blessing. That's how the word works. Look at how Jesus put it. In John chapter 4 verse 13 and 14. Jesus answered and said to her. This is a Samaritan woman who asked for the water which is actually his word. Whoever drinks of this water will thirst again. He's talking about the water of the world. But whoever drinks of the water that I give him will never thirst. But the water that I shall give him shall become in him a fountain of water springing up into everlasting life. It will grow and grow and grow. My word will become life for it. It will keep growing. It will do its own work. You don't even have to worry. It will do its own work. It will be a blessing to you. You will be blessed because that's the nature of the word. Now, don't take it materially. I'm talking about spiritually. Now, go to chapter 7 and look at verse 7, 37 and 38. He uses the same imagery in a different illustration. On the last day, the great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried out to me, saying, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Now, he says, you will be a blessing. First, he says, you will be blessed spring of water welling up to you to eternal life. The other is, it will flow from you. You will be blessed. You know why we often struggle? Actually, we all struggle, sometimes still struggle. It's because we take the word and we combine it with flesh, with human understanding. And actually, it is foolishness or arrogance or can be pride. That the word of God will work with human understanding. The word of God will work with flesh. It doesn't. The word of God will only work with the Holy Spirit. It will not work with man or flesh at all. Understand four facts of life when we are thinking about the word. Our reality in which we operate in this world. Why we need to understand that the word of God will not work with flesh. 1 John chapter 5. And verse 19, the reality of the world you and I live in, 519, 1 John. We know that we are of God, 
But what is the problem of the world we live? The whole world lies in the sway of the wicked one. The entire world is controlled by the wicked one through ideas. The minds of the people are controlled by him. My reality, Romans 7, 18. This is a reality of the world I live in. My reality, 7, 18. I know that in me, that is in my flesh, nothing good dwells. That's my reality. Realize my reality? My reality, there is nothing good in me. The reality in I live with, there is nothing good there either. Which is completely controlled by the devil. Then the other reality, John 15 verse 5. John 15 verse 5. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him will bear much fruit. That's the only way you can bear fruit. Abide in me. For without me, you can do nothing. Third reality realizes without God, I can do nothing. Absolutely nothing. The world is under the sway of the wicked one. In me there is nothing good. Only way I can survive is abiding in him. Without him I can do nothing. And the fourth reality, Ephesians 5 verses 5, 15 and 16. Ephesians 5, 15 and 16. See that you walk circumspectly and not as fools but as wise. Redeeming the time because the days are evil. What does it mean? In human life, in this life on earth, which you and I live, life is counted in terms of time. I only have limited time to make my decisions. I don't have all the time. Everybody's life is 1950 to whatever. A small dash, that's your life. Everybody is given a measure of time. I am living in a world which is controlled by the devil. In me there is nothing good. I am called to abide in him, otherwise I can do nothing. And then you said you have only this much time to make all these decisions. Not that you have all your time. That is why Paul talks about this constraint upon him to preach. He says, it's upon me, I cannot stop preaching because... The ones who are entered into that reality knows the horror and the terror of the Lord. He says, knowing the terror of the Lord, I am persuaded. What is the terror? Suddenly you realize time is up. You know that when you are writing your final exam, boy, class 10 exam and all, warning bell, maths paper. Because this is a compulsory subject. You flung this, you are gone. You're gone, meaning one year of your life is gone. You have to wait one more year to write your exam. It's gone, one year of your life is gone. Imagine talking about eternity and people who are so relaxed about the word of God and church attendance and preaching and prayer and all, they have no clue the reality. A man like Paul, who had been taken in the spirit to the third heaven, to whom God appeared in a vision like a sun, like 10,000 suns. This man is this, I know the terror of the Lord. I have this much time only. And I know there is nothing good in me. I know the state of this world. And I know without God, I am nothing. I can do nothing. You know why people live so casually? Because they are absolutely blinded from the spiritual reality of what is coming. Absolutely blinded. Once iota of a second, God will open our eyes to the spiritual reality of what is coming. Everybody would be on their knees praying and studying the word. They will say, Lord, let the lockdown continue for one year. Thank you, Lord, I don't have to go out. I can sit here and be on my knees, seek your face and study your word and prepare myself. That your life will grow. I just die to myself, Lord. I don't want to live. 
I want you to live through me. This is the reality of what is coming. Okay. Yet, on the one who has understood it and is living it, there is peace. I no longer live. Christ lives in me. So please understand these realities. There is a humbling of self every day before God. Lord, I need you. I need your word. Without you, word, I cannot even really think. If I don't have your word, that means I am not thinking. All my thinking is wrong. I don't really understand what is real. Because if anything is real, it has to go from here to the other side. Because whatever is real is eternal. Lord, without your word, I understand nothing. I can't understand movies. I cannot understand music. I don't understand politics. I don't understand economics. I don't understand anything without your word. Because your word is what brings what is real. Shows me what is real in all of this and what is unreal. So every day we go ourselves, humble ourselves before the word. But it still does not work. Because if I try to approach the word with my intellect, again I am a fool. Because there is nothing good in me. So we have to humble ourselves before the person of God who has been sent to us. That is the Holy Spirit. John chapter 14 and verse 16 and 16, 13. 14, 16, not 15, 16, 14, 16. And I will pray the Father and he will give you another helper that he may abide with you forever. What is Jesus saying? You see, when these disciples, you know, if you, if we saw, we saw yesterday from Matthew 5 onwards, we saw. He went up the hill, the disciples came to him and he kept on teaching them and he taught the crowds. And the crowds did not understand, but privately the disciples will come to him and says, explain to us. So, They walked with Jesus and Jesus was continuously teaching them and clearing all their doubts. Now he is going. And he says, your doubts will remain. But I am sending you somebody exactly like me who will clear all your doubts. And he will be with you. Don't try to understand anything apart from him. You will go wrong. That's what he is saying. I am sending you somebody who is exactly, he says exactly like me. Basically it is his spirit. And look at 16. John 16 and verse 13. 13, 1, 3, 1, 3. 16, 13. However, when he, the spirit of truth has come, he will guide you. How will he guide you? Exactly the way I guided you. They will all come. Lord, what does this mean? And he will say, this is it. Lord, what does this mean? Lord, why couldn't we do it? This is the reason why he couldn't do it. You see, why we can't understand, why we can't do something, who tells us? The Holy Spirit. Lord, why couldn't I do it? Because of this. Now we have two things, understanding and action. That's life, understanding and action. He says, you know what, I'm sending you my spirit. Hang on, this is where Christendom has divided into two groups. And then, honestly, even in these groups, you will rarely find people who will humble themselves between both these spiritual realities, the word of God and the spirit of God constantly. And every day, this is our all personal struggle, Lord, a bent mining. And then we ask, Lord, even when we are studying, reading, Lord, Holy Spirit, help me. And Lord, lead me to men and women of God who had true spiritual revelation. Not just, not understanding. 
of the holy place. Those who had true spiritual revelation, Lord. We respect those who are of the holy place also because you have to go to the most holy only from the holy place. You have to traverse through that. So we respect them too, Lord. But I am not satisfied with that. Because your call is from there. You said you will speak from there. You will speak from there. So who is the one who speaks from there? It is the Holy Spirit. And 1 John chapter 2, 20 and then 27. 1 John chapter 2. Again the same thing. But you have an anointing from the Holy One and you know all things. We have an anointing. So people don't believe in an anointing. They think it's something like oil that is put. No, it is something deeper than the oil which is just a symbol. You have an anointing from the Holy One and you know all things. Meaning if the Holy Spirit is there and you lead on to that anointing, that anointing will teach you all things. Verse 27. The anointing which you have received from Him abides in you. You have to abide in Him. The anointing will abide in you. So you have to abide in the word. You have to abide in the Holy Spirit. Okay, both. And you do not need that anyone teach you. Meaning, it's not that you don't have teachers in the world. But basically, he is not the one who is teaching you. He can teach you, but if the anointing is not with you, you cannot learn from him. He cannot learn from you. What happens, the most anointed man, Jesus Christ, comes and preaches, but I don't have the anointing. His words fall upon a dead mind. I will perceive him with my understanding. And the Pharisees could not understand him. Could not understand him. He says, it has been given to the babes and not the, who are the babes? The apostles. They are the babes. They have no background, theological background. They have no language background. They don't have any of this thing. But because they were with him and abiding with him, remember that is the first question he asked. What do you seek? They said, what do you stay? He said, come. And after that when he called, they were abiding with him. They abided with him and therefore they could understand. You do not need anyone teach you, but as the same anointing teaches you concerning all things. Our problem is we don't ask the Holy Spirit to teach us all things. We only ask the Holy Spirit to teach us things which we don't understand, as if we understand all the other things. <laughs> Honestly, I ask, I'm asking people who are watching. How many people ask Holy Spirit when I'm watching news, give me discernment? Give me discernment. Watching a movie, give me discernment, to watch or not to watch, or when to switch up and walk away. You don't understand all things because these are all ideologies in an absolutely beautifully packaged, action-packed, fast-paced movie. You could be something could be getting into your head. You're not even aware of it. Like you watch something and suddenly you realize your computer had crashed because you didn't know in that there was a virus. Did you see the virus? No. Do you think you see the viruses in what you are watching and listening? No. Only the Holy Spirit can. Concerning all things and is true. And it's not a lie. Just as it has taught you, you will abide in him. Why this is so important is, don't try to, there are a lot of people who try to continue in the word without the spirit. That didn't begin yesterday, today, it began 2000 years ago. Don't leave Jerusalem unless you have received the Holy Spirit. How many people did he appear? 500 plus. Paul says. How many were there that day? 120. That means 380 plus went without it. So you went ahead with the word without the spirit. And a lot of others are saying they are moving with the spirit without the word. And that's where the most heresies 
in the Pentecostal come. Where do they? Oh, now we are moving in the spirit, but where is your word? How come you are adding to the word? The final words in the book of Revelation chapter 22 is any man who adds or subtracts. And you will see in Pentecostalism it is extreme moving of the spirit. They have added and subtracted from the word. So you cannot move without the spirit and you cannot move without the word. That is my safety and your safety, all our safety. And when in doubt, stop. You don't have to move anywhere. Just stick with what you know. The word and the spirit. That is how you abide in the whole person. The word and the spirit. Verse 28. Now little children, abide in him. It's not say abide in the word. Word and the spirit together becomes him. Abide in him that when he appears, we may have confidence and not be ashamed before him at his coming. Why? Because you are abiding in him. If you are abiding in him and he appears, what is that? What is, why do, why should we be ashamed? Because my inner reality has matching my outer reality now. Because he has come. But there is no confusion because my inner reality matches my outer reality. All this day from Haran to Kanan, you are going, going, talking to the Holy Spirit, represented by Elias, talking, 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 talking. Suddenly you ask, who is that man? That's your master. How did you know? Because that's the only one who's matching my inner reality. It matches. Abide in him. You don't have to fear. What is inside will match what is coming outside. And this is a simple, close journey. Continuous journey. That is what it means to prepare the ground and receive the word. That's why the first blessing that is pronounced by Jesus from the mountain. Remember, on that mountain, Moses went up and he says, Hear, O Israel. First thing he pronounced, what a blessing. Hmm. It's just a statement. It's a command. Thou shall have no other. Yeah, but when Jesus, this thing, he says, all that is true. But you will never understand it unless certain things are real in your life. So let me tell you what true blessing is to understand what Moses said and become what Moses said on the on 400, no, 1500 or 2000 years earlier. I was the one who gave the law to Moses and I told him to speak it to you. But till today, nobody understood what it really meant. Now, let me tell you who can understand what it means, who my father is, right? Lord, your God is one. What it is not to have. Who? What kind of people can understand? He says, this is the first blessing I pronounce over you. What is this? Blessed are the poor in the spirit. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Seek ye first the kingdom of heaven. Now look at that statement. Because when you look at the statements, you also have to look at what is implied in the statement. That Opposite of poor is what? Rich. rich. That means there are riches in our spirit that is unacceptable to God. Unacceptable to God. Are you getting it? You see, if you go to a police station, you're a police officer, you're working, even here, everywhere, that's the way. You will go to your section and you have to take your wallet, everything off, and you have to write in the register how much money you have brought. 
I'm right, that's the procedure everywhere. Okay, 500 rupees, 550, 565 rupees, it will be written. When you are leaving, you will have to again check to see how much you are taking back, seeing that you did not take bribes in between. You getting it? So, blessed are the poor in the spirit, that means there can be many riches in our spirit, which is totally unacceptable to God. And we have to reject them. How does a rich man become poor? <laughs> By giving away? What he has. Right? That's how he becomes poor. What if you are like Gautam Buddha? was a king of Kapilavastu. He was a king. He was married. He had a baby. And he was a king. But one day he saw, he was a very thinking man. Upset by the by life, seeing death and everything. So one day he just walked off his house, left his kingdom, left his family, walked away. And when he walked away, what did he become? Became a poor man. He became a sadhu. Why? In search of reality, truth. That's how they say he sat under a tree and he had. He became the buddhivastha or whatever it is called, the enlightened one. But in that process, he had to leave a lot of stuff. Which he received is enlightenment, true enlightenment. Oh, you look at the eight jewels of Buddhism are put into three jewels. Sounds like the law. Only problem, nobody can keep it without Christ. Without Christ. But to receive that, he had to become poor. He couldn't do that in his palace and receive it. He had to become poor. Solomon was the king. He was been God came to him one day and said, ask whatever you want. So he had to become poor before he became rich in his spirit. He said, I am a little child. I know nothing. I am. This is too much for me, Lord. The people are yours. You are so. How can I do it? So please give me wisdom and discernment. God said, I like you. So before he could receive wisdom, he had to become poor in the spirit. Therefore, he received wisdom. And he said, you will be the wisest. He didn't say, my dad has taught me lots of things. I've been watching my dad. My dad was very smart. I got the best education possible. I can handle it. Just give me a very powerful army to keep people quiet. He didn't ask any of them. He actually made himself poor. So there are a lot of things we may have to get rid of. And that is our struggle. The natural rich man has to become spiritually poor. And One of the things we struggle is the knowledge or the wisdom, the self-acquired apart from God. Okay, Apart from God. That's why even now you come to my office, see all those hundreds and books. There's nothing from my past. You don't see any literature there. Imagine you majored all your life. From the age of 8 or 9, I started reading. I started reading literature. Eight or nine, I started reading. All I read, literally thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of books. Literally read. Libraries read out. But you come to my house, my office, you see nothing. Because that was all knowledge and wisdom acquired by the self. Now when I came to the Lord, at some point in my life, God told me, you can choose to continue with that or reject it all and continue with this. Do you remember? What my brother said on that day? My eldest brother. 
You, you heard my eldest brother. Pastor Vijay heard my eldest brother speak once. Right? What did he say? He, they called me by my nickname, Mandi. He used my name. He says, he's uh, Santosh and all to you, but for me he is Mandi. He said, Mandi grew up reading all these books. And then one day he found the book. And he decided to give up all the books for the book. I still remember what he said. Years and years ago. Still remember. And it is the truth. And it should become the truth for all of us. Continuously pick up this book over every other book. And that very knowledge, very knowledge, that our self acquired, stands in the way of us becoming poor. That's a struggle of educated people. Why did Nicodemus come and go back in the night? And why it is mentioned, the one who came in the night? Because he was not willing to get rid of that. He's not willing to get rid of that. Because that knowledge is destructive. It will destroy me. Why? Because it opposes the true knowledge of God. Okay, I like Shakespeare. But do you think Shakespeare's understanding of God through what I understand through Shakespeare is true? No. No. That is his perception. No. So you need to understand we have to come to the source and put aside everything. And it's a very difficult because that knowledge you acquired is a very difficult, it has become part of you, sweated, you struggled, you spent hours together, you literally gave your life to acquire that knowledge. And that's actually part of your old man, yourself. Okay, That's where people struggle. Imagine a businessman, he comes to the Lord and the Lord says, I want you to... Become my businessman. What does it mean? Get rid of all your business principles. I will tell you how to run your business. You know, it's very difficult for him. Okay. What Noah building the ark? I will tell you what engineering is. It won't fit in with anybody. People will laugh at you, scream at you. I could have built it in 10, eight, 10 years. I could have built it better than you. Five years I would have completed this project. What is this old man? 120 years. But God said, you know, you listen to me. You don't listen to them. Because they don't know what this is being built for. Oh, I don't know. I know how to start a church. I know how to use these principles, management principles, corporative principles, how to build. He says, will your church stand the test of fire? Who are you building it for? What are you building it for? Do you know how the church will be tested? You see, you have to put aside all John Maxwell and all these great people. They're all great people in this world. Everybody listens to them how to build their church. But you know what? Sri Ravi Ravi Sankar also says the same thing. What is his name? Sri Sri Ah, Sri Sri Ravi Sankar. All of them. So sometimes a foreword from Sri Sri Ravi Sankar and Maxwell sounds the same. I'm not demeaning either of them. What I am saying, we will not count anything except what absolutely, totally agrees with the word of God. And it will take great humbling. Great humbling to put aside all that and say, Lord, I will just stand on your word and what your spirit tells me. He would have looked like a total idiot, Isaac, sowing his seed in that land. Absolute, total idiot. Everybody, who taught you farming? 
What farming principle is this? Have you ever tried to dig up a hard ground? When everybody is moving to Egypt, this fellow is using his servants to break up hard, dry, rocky ground. Who farms like this? He said, but God said, stay here. Everything. Isaiah 47 verse 10. For you have trusted in your wickedness. You have said, no one sees me. Your wisdom and your knowledge has warped you. I like that term, warped. You always say you've got a warped mind. Your wisdom and your knowledge has warped you. You know whose wisdom was warped first? Devil. He was made perfect in wisdom and knowledge. And scripture actually says it went warped. Corrupted. That's what you people will say. Now all these IT sector people will say, can you use this again? No. Why? It's corrupted. File is corrupted. Gone. Right? You say corrupted. We don't understand it, but we understand this. We don't understand when this plastic thing, how can it be corrupted? For us, it all looks like plastic. How did a virus get into it and corrupt it? We don't understand. But this we understand. Your wisdom and your knowledge has warped you and you have said in your heart, No, that's it, I am. And there is no one else? What does it mean? I'm not agreeing to your opinion. I have an idea and I have an opinion. And I'm not going to exalt any other opinion before that. This is what God is talking about to bring every thought to the captivity of Christ Jesus. And with certain people, you will realize it's a waste of time talking to them. That's what Paul says, don't get into arguments, just walk away. Because they already have exalted an opinion which is outside the word of God, does not agree the word of God above. So you can't talk to them, just leave it alone. When can you talk to them? When God has brought them to a point where they are willing to listen. Honestly, in truth, you know how many years it takes for God to get a man or a woman to actually listen? To God, 20 years with Jacob. God took 40 years with Moses. It took God 75 years with Abraham before they would really listen. You think it's easy? I'm not saying it is difficult. <laughs> I'm not saying it is difficult. But I'm not saying it's either easy. Do you know how many days it got, got to listen, to get Saul of Tarsus to listen? One day. But the third day he knew his purpose. What will he have me do? What will he have me do? Who are you? Jesus of Nazareth. What do you want me to do? It will be told you. Go. Yes, boss. First Corinthians one twenty four and then one thirty. What we should replace and become our reality. But to those who are called, both Jesus and Greeks... Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. Please understand, he says, for all those who are called Gentiles or Jews. Christ is the power of God and Christ is the wisdom of God. Now, this is being told positionally. That's the truth, whether I accept it or not. But when does it become true for me? When I continuously start receiving it, it becomes the truth for me. That's verse 30. 
But of him you are in Christ Jesus, who became for us wisdom from God. And when he becomes the wisdom from God, you realize, I have no righteousness apart from him. He is my righteousness. I have no sanctification apart from him. I have no redemption apart from him. My entire eternity is absolutely tied with him and him alone. Nothing else. My redemption, my righteousness, my sanctification, my wisdom, everything is Christ Jesus alone. And it is to that we are growing. How many will reach that pinnacle? We do not know. But these are the riches we need to get rid of in our spirit. Before, blessed are the poor in the spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of God. What is that we have to get rid of? Everything we have acquired by self, we get rid of. What is given back? we take. Some of those things God will give it back to us. How many he may give it back to us? We don't know. But we begin with this premise, I surrender everything, Lord. What you give back is fine. What you don't give back is fine. I'll start with you. So when you start with him alone, what is happens? You are an absolutely poor beggar. You have nothing of your own. You are entirely dependent upon his generosity. That's how Jesus called his disciples. And scripture says they left everything and followed him. How did they begin with him? As beggars. That's how every disciple began. They began. Biggest catch. John and Peter left everything and followed. Sitting at the tax booth, Matthew left everything and followed. How did they all actually begin in, in their physical reality to teach us a lesson? As beggars. And what is their actual reality at the end of their three and a half year ministry? He said, I sent you out without anything. Did you lack anything? They said, no. So who gave it? I gave it. I gave it. You were beggars, but you never lacked. You were not beggars. You ate to your full. You know why? That is what spiritual reality is. We come as beggars, but we don't stay as beggars. We are well fed. We are well fed. We are well fed. Everything, anything in life, you have to bring it to the order of God's word and ask the Holy Spirit to show. Anything and everything, everything, anything and everything, you have to look into it. What does God say? Let us say, let's look at COVID-19. It's an issue. First thing you have to realize is that I will die at my appointed time. God has appointed a time. It can be today, it can be 10 years from now, but his appointed time is time. After that, I don't want to live one more day. So death, life and death is in your hands. But then after that, God says, I am the Lord that healeth thee. Right? I will not bring any of the diseases that I brought on Egypt upon you. So he says, okay, he can bring, he can take it out. That's your reality. I sent forth my word and healed you of your sicknesses. So your word can bring healing. Right? Proverbs chapter 4 will say, the word is health to an old man's body. So you are looking at this, narrowing it down to health alone. Psalm 103 says, I am the God who forgives all your iniquities and heals. So you have to be healed of your iniquities in some cases to be forgiven of your iniquities to be healed of your diseases. So the man who was brought, paralyzed, carried by, he says, your sins are forgiven and he was healed. Okay, The son of righteousness shall rise with healing under his wings also. That means as you grow in your righteousness, there is a healing that is released into your life. By his stripes I am healed. So you look through the Bible, you realize that now, you suddenly realize you are looking at healing in a completely different perspective through God's eyes. Completely different. 
completely different perspective. Anything you look, you look at money, you look at economics, you look at healings, you got relationships, you look at anything, you will realize the kingdom of God has a reality that is different from the world. Completely different reality from the world. Let us look at another one, which we need to get rid of. Mark 10 and verse 24. The disciples were astonished at his words, but Jesus answered again and said to them, Children, what is he calling them? Because when it came to understanding about money, they were all chinna pilla. Children. They are not adults when it comes to money. Children, how hard it is for those who trust in riches to enter the kingdom of God. Okay. Put your trust in money. It is almost impossible to enter into the kingdom of God. Because for many, life is money. Life is all about money. And money can satisfy many, many of the needs of life. But it cannot buy you an inch in heaven. It cannot buy you redemption. It cannot buy you knowledge. It cannot buy you wisdom. You can use money to buy the best books in a what you call it, in a Christian bookstore. But it will not buy you wisdom. Unless you humble yourself before God, before that book. It will not buy you anything. It cannot buy. And the issue about money is, the issue of money is this. Money gives me autonomy to do a whole lot of things. And if I am not very careful about how I handle money, it can cause ease in my life. No ease. Ease in your life. Because money gives you a kind of a security. I don't have to work hard like others because I got the money. Look at the laborers. Why are they working now during lockdown? Because they need to live. They're working from morning till night. Why? Because they don't have money. But what is the landlord doing? He's sitting in a chair and watching. Why? Because he's got money. Now what happens... When money comes in, there is a kind of ease that seeps into that old man. So unconsciously, he will not approach the word of God in the same manner. He will not. That's why the Bible says the gospel is preached to the poor. That's what money does. And he doesn't even realize he's put his trust in his money. Always seen it through my journeys. It's easier, like even in the Middle East. One morning I preached in the first service to the poor laborers who are all Pakistanis and Punjabis and UP, all laborers, construction workers, brought in buses and their joy, their tears, they understand that I'm speaking in Hindi and the next service I'm speaking in English and this is in Hindi, my Hindi is not as good as my English. You could see this Guys, tears flowing and hallelujah, they're receiving it just, 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 just like it. You know what's happening? They're poor. And the Holy Spirit is just making them understand what they need to understand. The next service is English and all come in SUVs. You know, it's a struggle to preach in the next service. It's a pleasure, the first service. The second service is a struggle. You know why? Self-knowledge. Riches. Riches is not the problem. It is ease. It is ease. One of the richest men who ever lived on planet earth was Abraham. You know what God told him? Keep moving. 
will not allow ease into your bones. Keep moving all your life. Keep moving. It is difficult when you have 318 trained servants born in your household, meaning he's got at least a thousand servants and all these camels to gather them all around and keep moving, keep moving, meaning I will never allow ease to get into your bones because you are called to be the father of believers. That's why Paul tells Timothy, 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 endure hardship as discipline. It's a practice. Endure hardship as a discipline. Don't put your nose in civilian affairs. Your job is only to please the one who enlisted into you, the army. Your CEO, commanding officer, is Jesus Christ. I can give you everything which you want and you need, but don't let it get into you. Don't let it get into you. Because ease will kill you. Ease will kill you. This, are the, this is all. You have to look at it, the reality of it. And that's why Jesus not not say he, he does not say if he says when you fast. He didn't say if if then it is you may need to. He says when you fast, it should be a it should be a lifestyle. Fasting is your lifestyle. When you fast, giving should be a lifestyle. Why should you give? Give when you give. Why should you give? Saying that money will not hold me captive. It will not hold me captive. I'll keep giving, keep giving, keep giving, telling him, you are not my master, I am your master. I've learned the art of mastering money. So many don't realize, ease has become a curse. Ease has become a curse. Because their trust is in riches. They don't even realize their trust is in riches. They don't even realize. If you look at the entire Indian spectrum, okay, India is like in bad shape. So it goes further. If God doesn't work a miracle, it could become even more worse. If you look at, we have, let us say, three, four kind of categories of people here. One, we will say in India, so federal government employees. That is central government employees. Second, state government employees. Then you have private company employees and then daily workers. The ones who are hit worst are the daily workers. Second is private employees. Third is state and the fourth, only final category is central government. Why? Money is with the central government, not with the state government. Budget is released, money is released from there. So central government employees are at the most ease. State government employees' salaries are getting delayed. Private company people are worried where they lose their job. Daily fellow is trying to walk and reach home, so at least he can go there, eat and die. I'm telling you the truth. The word also is received accordingly. The more security you have in this life, the more you will resist the word of God. So God says, make yourself poor every day. Lord, I have all this, Lord, it is not, it is before you. And God says, in your prayer and in your word, I watch you. I watch you. I watch you. And what do we do as parents? As parents, it's not a bad motive, but we are always investing in an education that will bring security in this world for our children. And ultimately, you know what they all become? They all become rebels. The very security we planted into them causes them to go against God. The format has never changed. The gospel is still preached to the poor. Still preached to the poor. 
So this all becomes blocked. You have to identify into us and say there's nothing wrong with any of these things. It's good to have education. I thank God for the education my parents gave me. At least it makes me, it makes, it gives me the ease to understand, to read. Okay. Primarily, I believe any servant of God or any man of God, servant of God, need to know only one language well. You don't need to know two languages. But one language you need to know well. One language. You need to know well. You don't need to know two languages well. One language. If you know one language well, and scripture is available in that language, you should be able to meditate on it. Or if you can't read, at least you're able to understand one language well, because faith comes from hearing. Hearing. And today's life, everything is available where you can hear. What you hear, you should understand. So one language, you should be good. One language, you should be that's all it needs. All you need to grow in the kingdom of God is one language. If you have two, you are lucky. If you know English, I don't put anything great about English. English is a widely used language. There's so much available in English. But I've seen people who did not know English who are much, much, much better than some of the best English speakers and writers I have read. Unbelievable revelations they get. Because this is of God. This is of God. Peter and John were unlearned. You look at the people who wrote the Bible. Who were learned? I mean, even if they had learning, they had to give away all that learning. And that's why Paul will come very clearly and says, what I received, I did not receive it from man. This is not Gamaliel's theology. I received it from God. So, his revelation is from God. But if you look at Paul's language and Peter's language, there's no difference in the language. The language is the same. Peter's language is as fantastic as Paul's. So the theology from both is from the same person. So neither Peter nor Paul can boast. I was under Gamaliel, that's why I wrote all this. Peter, okay, I walked with Jesus, that's why I wrote this. You look at the language of Peter and language of Paul, do you see Peter's language is fantastic language. Even today's scholars struggle to translate Peter's letters. But he was an unlearned fisherman. Paul was a learned man. But both had to receive from God. And all they needed was language. At the language level, there was no difference. These are things which we need to understand because people always think education is the key. No. The word of God and the spirit of God is the key. Blocks. Isaiah 64 verse 6. Another major block. 64.6 All our righteousness are like filthy rags. What is like filthy rags? We will, we will accept our unrighteousness is like filthy rags. That you can call anything, I will accept it. Call that my righteousness is filthy rags. You know what happens? The righteousness which we acquired becomes riches in our spirit. That itself becomes a block from hearing from God. I have lots of relatives, all educated. Young days when I was trying to give them the gospel, they used to tell straight away, why do we need to hear the gospel? 
all our life we have led good lives and the fact is that they did lead good lives teachers like i said certain sections of population lead better lives in terms of activities teachers doctors nurses because they are always interacting with the society and doing extremely works which can be counted as good and beneficial to the society you know how difficult it is to preach to them secretary lord think about dr richard imagine he brought 10000 patients from the brink of death then you tell him you need life righteousness becomes the major block major block becomes a block even if you have to be very very careful about this careful about this okay everything is mercy and grace alone everything because you don't really imagine a person comes how old are you i'm 70 years old 74 years old and how long have you been married oh we have been married for 51 years and we had a wonderful life and then no you know you can get you can get proud about your marriage and then god sends a man whom he, he who has to speak to you he comes with a broken marriage you look at him oh your marriage is broken you speaking to me I've seen that happen. But you don't realize. Yes, you had 50 years, but that was the mercy of God. Nothing to do with you. Now that has become a source of your righteousness. Therefore, you will not listen to a servant who has been sent. Aaron and Miriam are not able to accept Moses' marriage. Here God says, that's the guy I speak to. And I speak to him more than anybody else. I speak to him face to face, but his marriage is goofed up. What is Miriam proud about? Her marriage. What is Aaron proud about? His marriage. What they are looking down, because there's only one thing they can look down at him. What is that? His marriage. And she had to stand seven days outside the camp. White and leprous. Why? Because God says, you can't be taught, Miriam. Everything, these things, we have to realize everything is mercy and children can become a block. Well, look at my children. They are all educated. Two are doctors, three are engineers, four are this thing and everything. And another guy comes and preaches. His children are both classed and failed. But he is the one called to preach. <laughs> you preaching to me? Look at my children. Look at your children. we have no clue how self-righteousness creeps into our soul which blocks us from hearing because you will never know the servant that is sent to you that is the first two lessons elijah the great prophet you heard today one of the greatest prophets ever has to learn one you will never question the source i sent to you you will be fed by a raven second you will not question the second source i'm going to feed you till the famine is over it's a poor widow and here is this man of god fed by a raven and a poor widow you will not question my source you just receive it whichever source it is 
if you look at your source and you look at yourself, I am a prophet, I cannot eat from a robin, you are discarded. Because you have not, do not have the poverty of the spirit to receive my word. Because I have exalted my word above all my heavens. We have realized, we really need to realize why people struggle to hear. We have to look inside and we will realize and everything. All these things are test. All these things are test. Imagine a lady, beautiful lady, good looking in terms of the world. Very good looking, her health, hands are soft, legs are soft, pretty. And that day the lady who is leading the women's studies, one covers her head. She's got pock marks all over her face. She doesn't look good at all. And she looks at her and says, boy, do I have to hear the word from this? Because the package doesn't look good. Package doesn't look good. What happens? Your outward things, which was the mercy of God, has creeped into your soul, has become a part of your righteousness. The first woman who is going and speaking to the people in Samaria, it's a terrible package. You know the package? The one who is called to proclaim the resurrection of the Lord, the package is terrible. She was totally demon-possessed. Seven demons were in her. Who is going to believe her testimony? One, you don't accept the testimony of a woman in a Jewish law, under the old law. Second, she's demon-possessed. And she's the one coming and saying the Lord is risen. You know why? God is saying, only those who are really, really, really poor in the spirit will be able to recognize my voice from any package. Only they will be able to, others will reject, and I have rejected them too. This is the word of God. That is why we realize if you don't fall up before our face every day, spiritually at least, before God say, Lord, I humble myself through before your word and before your spirit, I will receive it from any source. God says, I can speak to you. I can. It's a daily, because something will creep in. Because that's the nature of the old man. It will soak the old man, flesh, and the world is made for each other. Yeah. Ek to ke liye. Made for each other. So when you are going into or waking up in the morning, you are waking up in your flesh into this world. And you have to be aware of it. It will creep in. And what happens once it creeps in, you start becoming rich. Once you become rich, you hear only partially. Or you hear nothing. Self. Next one, Philippians 4.13. I can do all things through Christ Jesus who strengthens me. It's a man lying in prison, in chains. He's writing this letter to us. But imagine, everybody said this. They don't say this. In reality, in their spirit, in their heart, in their mind, their attitude is this, I can do all things. And the child begins it Little can all myself. I eat myself. Meaning I don't need your help. I can eat by myself. <laughs> Can't even pronounce myself properly. But still already I can do it myself. Already saying I can do all things. You are getting late for church. Come on, come on, come on. No, I will put it myself. Won't allow you to put the shoes. Five minutes is gone. You are late for church. Myself. You know how early it begins? 
I can do all things. I am wearing this dress today. That is the most difficult. It won't go down their head. The zip won't go up. But I want that. I want that. I can do all things. And it grows and grows and grows and grows and grows and suddenly you realize this man, this woman cannot be talked to. It's like Frank Sinatra. I did it, but I did it my way. I did it my way. That's what Saul is saying. I obeyed the Lord my way. God says the kingdom is my kingdom. I am taking it off you. You can go your way. You forgot the kingdom is mine. It's like the, the teenage, I heard a story. The teenage boy, a single mother, a teenage boy, fought with his mother and he said, I don't need anything. I'm leaving this house. I'm walking out. He fought with his mother. Mother said, okay, you can go. So he packed his bag. She said, leave it there. Wait, wait a second. Leave your bag over there. Because everything in that bag, I bought. With my hard-earned money. You haven't brought anything. Leave your bag. He says, okay, you can take your bag. And he says, open it. Wait a minute. Take your clothes off. <laughs> Walk out naked. Naked you came. Naked you will go. Everything, everything else. I worked hard. From my sweat, I bought you. You want to live your life? Live your life. Go out naked. He came back inside. This is what man says. God says, okay, you live your life. But when you die, remember, this entire real estate is mine. Find a piece of ground you can rest your feet on. This is all mine. You want to stay outside me? You will have to create something. This is the foolishness of man. He does not realize. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And when he created, and even when Satan fell, he did not create hell for man. He created hell for Satan and the demons. Massive expansion, construction business expansion is going on. Where? In hell. Scripture says, hell has enlarged itself because originally it was not meant for man. But men and women are going headlong over there. So expansion is taking place in hell more than high-tech city. Honestly. Bible says they get a red carpet welcome. Who the kings and queens and the mighty ones? Only the red carpet is a carpet of fire. It says the mighty ones who made earth tremble are all coming one by one. The rich, the mighty, the noble, everybody is coming down. People have no clue what the Bible says. God has revealed. You know what stopped them? The riches of the spirit. I can do all things. There are a lot of people who hear the gospel because the gospel, the beginning of salvation is I can't save myself. I can't save myself. Let me show you that portion from Isaiah. Incredible one verse is there. Isaiah 53 if I am right. Isaiah 53. Six. Isaiah fifty three six. Isaiah 
all we like sheep have gone astray we have turned everyone to his own and the lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all let me explain to you an incredible miracle that took place many many years ago many many probably couple of over a hundred years ago there was this missionary this evangelist who was preaching in a crusade those days tent meetings in london First day, second day, third day, three day, four day, whatever. The final day he was leaving. There was one man who was coming for that meeting every day, struggling, 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 struggling. Meeting over, final altar call also, he didn't respond. And then the evangelist was leaving. And he was going by train. And this man rushed to the railway station. And this man rushed in. The evangelist is in the train. The train is moving. Last minute his conscience is pricking him and he cries to the evangelist and says, How do I get saved? How do I get saved? How do I get saved? <laughs> the train is moving. The evangelist looks at him and says, Isaiah 53, 6, Bend your knee at the first all and rise up at the next one. All we sheep has gone astray, Lord. I am one of that all. You put it all upon him. In him, Lord, I rise. The man was saved on the platform. Humble yourself. You can't do all things. You can't. He's the only one who can do all things. Then in him, you can do all things. You know how people struggle over this? The older you get, the smarter you get in the world, the more you read. Because the more you are reading, you are acquiring so much knowledge about the things of this world, which has no eternal value. No eternal value. You tell me one thing in the world you study which has eternal value. Just tell me one thing. Tell me something. You study physics, mathematics, physics, chemistry, right? All this. No, physics, you study physics. Do you think any of these physical laws are permanent? Do you really believe any of the scientific laws are permanent? No, they are not. God, Jesus already showed it's not permanent. So they're all temporary. So don't, just because you pass an examination, get a distinction, don't let it get into your head because nothing is permanent. Whatever you call it, gravity, specific gravity, nothing is permanent. Who can walk on water? Which law of science accepts that? Who can turn water into wine with a word? Which scientific law backs it? Which medical science can make a blind man, man who was born blind, see? You look at any scientific law. Any laws on which this material world is built, it's temporary. Only thing that is permanent is moral laws. That is God's holiness. Everything. But where do we get all our distinction from? These laws. And the more these things get in, our self gets filled up. Self gets filled up. Everything. I'm talking, telling you, everything is temporary. God can create an entirely different universe where all these laws are inverted if you want. All this, all these laws are inverted. Because these are laws which he created. 
He doesn't function by those laws. He made it very clear, I don't function by these laws. I am above these laws. But I am under the moral and the ethical laws. I will stay under it. I'll stay. Because that laws, the moral laws, reflect who I am. But other laws? No. So we need to understand, this is where our pride comes from. Pride comes from. And we struggle with this. And the proof of a poverty in our spiritual life is our prayer life and our word life. If you are truly, truly poor, it will show in your prayer life. It's not how long you pray, it's how you pray. It's how you pray. It will show in your word. Your dependence upon the word of God. Lord, without your word, I cannot survive. That's the first blessing that is pronounced. So it is not easy for the natural man to be poor in the spirit. One has to allow the spirit and the word to work. So the problem is not with the seed. The problem is always with the soil. In all categories, the seed was the same. God did not say on that hard ground he put a rotten seed. On the next ground he put an old seed. No, the seed was the same. The sower is sowing at the same time. The only thing that was different was the heart. And one has to really, really constantly allow the Spirit of God to work on the Word in our hearts. Turn to Jeremiah 23, 29. 23, 29. Is not my word like a fire, says the Lord, like a hammer that breaks the rock in pieces? He leave the fire aside, that we'll look later. He says, my word, do you know it's like a hammer that breaks the rock in pieces? Do you know how stubborn and hot the human heart is? That's why we say always our children, when they are growing up, see that they always obey. You know why? You're keeping that their heart is always tender. Obedience makes it tender. The rebellious fellow, it gets harder and harder and harder and harder. And you can always say, if a father can have two children or three children, you will see one who obeys and you will know the parables are there. The one who said, okay, I will do it and he didn't do it. The other one said, I will not do it. Okay, you'll always know. Why do you think Mary had so many children, but when they ran out of wine, why do you think she straight away came to Jesus? I don't think she was waiting for a miracle or hoping for a miracle. I thought he would go and get some wine. Okay, he hasn't performed any miracles. Because she knows in the house, if there is any issue, there's only one kid she can turn to. And see, that guy, the oldest one, he'll always listen. He'll always obey. He's always willing. She's not expecting a miracle. She has never seen a miracle. Him do in 30 years. She has never seen anything. So we are thinking that she's expecting a miracle. No, she's not expecting a miracle. She's expecting. So even his answer, she did not understand. It's not my time yet. She didn't understand. So she just went and told the servants, whatever he says, do. She thought he will tell the servants, give some money or something and say, go get some wine. Because she knows her life in the home. This is a kid who is always obedient. He's got a tender heart. Why do we teach children to obey, to obey, to obey, to obey, obey? Because this is the nature of a human heart. 
God does not have to use the word like an hammer one day to break us into pieces. Into pieces. He says, my word is like a hammer. And you have to allow the Holy Spirit to wield the word like a hammer. To break down every preconceived idea and ideology. Because so many Christians sitting in churches are unsaved. You know how difficult it is to save them? It's easy to bring a Hindu into the kingdom of God or a Muslim into the kingdom of God and to get a Christian who thinks he's saved into the kingdom of God. Because he's already got these ideas in his head and it's very difficult to remove it. He will not accept it. The Samaritan woman came in the blink of an eye. Nicodemus went away. Why do you think Jesus never called any Pharisee? Because he didn't want any arguments <laughs> in the group. Imagine he had called three, six Pharisees and six ordinary people. Appa, these six fellows will never fellowship with them. That these idiots, how can we walk with them? They don't know nothing. And everything Jesus says, they have a question, but Gamaliel said it, this one said that way. Why are you talking like this? Because they don't understand the spirit of the word. And they will fight with the letter. A word is like a hammer. You know our ideas and ideologies. Oh, we don't realize it just sink in. Behind every movie, every newspaper, every news article, everything, even the teacher who teaches the subject has ideology within. It's an ideology. And it is simply soaking it in. That's why Hannah is a very wise woman. She said, no, he's not coming to Shiloh. He is not coming to Shiloh. Please, husband, sir, let him be with me till he is weaned. I'm not sending him to Shiloh. You know why? Because now I carry him to Shiloh. I'm starting to talk to him about God. And we'll tell him we are going to worship God. And with his little eyes, he will see Phineas and Hophnes and all that. And he will connect that with God. He doesn't have anything inside to resist that. So wait till I have put enough inside so that when he sees that, he will know that is not God. This is God. This is God. We don't realize what happens when we start. That is why I told you in my life, I had to take a decision, put away all that stuff. Really, really ask, Lord, I'm addicted to this. Lord, create a distaste in me. That You know what happened? After that, when I start reading one page, two pages later, I couldn't read, I put it away. He did something supernatural. I couldn't read. I couldn't read. I couldn't read. And you know, God will do. What are you doing? You're acknowledging your weakness. Lord, you know, in this area, I'm very, very weak. I'm addicted to fiction. I'm addicted to movies. If you're addicted to movies, Lord, can you do it? I'm really poor, Lord. Can you really, really help me out? And you will realize one shot, two shot, three screen. After that, you switch it off. You can't watch a movie. Because you acknowledged your poverty before him. And he said, I will do it. Then you are able to say, yes, I can do all things through Christ Jesus. Our problem is we receive a good idea and try to do it ourselves. And see, it doesn't work. God says, it will not work. I told you, without me, you can do nothing. You took my idea and trying to do it in your strength. The strength also will be mine. Because when all of you stand before me, no one will boast. The idea was mine. The power was mine. All you did is by faith walk in it.
try it and you will realize it is not so difficult. What is difficult is to humble ourselves. That is our battle. We have to allow the Holy Spirit to hammer all these things in our head. Spend time in the word with the Spirit. Otherwise what will happen? It will harden us. Our hearts will get hardened. After his sin, David's heart had become so hard that God had to use his word like a hammer. And sent Nathan with the hammer. He said, you are that man. Bing! He broke. He broke. And he kept breaking. Kept breaking. Until he again became the man after God's own heart. And therefore he is able to write us in Psalm 51, 17, 34, 18. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and a contrite heart. These, O God, you will not despise. Did you God? God broke him. Your heart was so hardened. I had to break you. He's not trying to offer anything for his, for his sin. He's a king. Lord, I understand I sinned against you and tomorrow I'm offering 10,000 rams and 5,000 bulls. That's how they offered. Look at Solomon and all of it. He said, no, I understand. I know. God is near to those who have a broken heart and save such as a contrite spirit. You know, this all came from a man who was broken. And he he understood the nearness of God. And he said, these are the kind of people God is near to. It's an experience. This is not theology. This is an experience. And Isaiah 66 too, we know that well. For all those things my hand has made. And all those things exist, says the Lord. But on this one I will look. On him who is poor and of a contrite spirit and who trembles at my... Oh, I you wish in eternity God shows. And Nathan pointed his finger. You are that man. I believe the king started trembling. Other kings would cut off the prophet's head. Are you the troubler of Israel? That is Ahab. Started trembling. Trembles at my word. Today people don't tremble. They question. They don't tremble. They don't tremble. Who trembles at my word. Poor and a contrite spirit who trembles. Because otherwise we will be saved. We are not going anywhere. <laughs> not going anywhere. We want to grow in the Lord. We have to break these things in us and say, Lord, reveal unto me, Lord, break it, Lord, remove it, O oh Lord, remove it, O oh Lord, remove it, O oh Lord. Use your word, let your word be until it is. You know, you know something, we have Ramagundam thermal planned over here. I'm just shooting off my mouth from my understanding of the secular 
system world how it works no you have this coal based uh, thermal plants which produce incredible uh, power energy which on which everything is running but if i am right they don't put coal over there they put finely powdered coal which blast coke this called coke right okay the engineer is here i am just shooting the literature guy shooting off his head okay coke is used right and not the coke which you drink but the other one which is powdered fine which causes that energy god says when your heart is like that do you know the energy my spirit can re- release in you that's a contrite heart that's a contrite heart it's not hard at all been powdered into pieces you know sometimes what god does is that when god has picked a man and he usually picks a man with a hard heart he will put him through process until he's completely broken then you will use him that's moses that is jacob that's why israel is able to say at the end of his life unlike abraham and isaac he says the blessings of your father is greater than your grandfather and great grandfather how did he reach there you look at this fellow you will never think hey, how can you overshoot isaac and abraham that guy overshoot every he overshoot jacob joseph also <laughs> right because he put him through the ringer broke him left right center powdered his heart inside and then said now my power will be shown through you same thing it with moses powdered him as the, in median finally he comes i cannot speak i can't do i can't do not you know god said that's fine what do you have only this rod that's enough now you go god says you know what i never in this generation found a man like him with him man that man i can sit and talk to him because his heart is powdered it's like coke and the spirit of god comes over there it blasts another man he found on the road to damascus <laughs> broke him he didn't pick him in the beginning he picked him until after he had killed a few christians and destroyed many christian lives Waited. He could have touched him before that. No, he's sovereign, right? He didn't. He's made him kill, watch, and sanction Stephen's death. Many others. So now he's on the way, full of zeal. God says, "Okay, now you are ready." So all your life you will have it. Oh my gosh! It is my brothers I killed. It's my sisters I made widows. Powdered his heart, and he says, "Now use me." Explosive blast. You have thirteen letters. Okay. Couldn't God have stopped Peter from betraying him? Did it? No. Betray me nicely three times, not once or twice. Even to a servant girl, betray me nicely. You betray. After he has no face to look up, no face to look up. Powdered inside. Now God says, now you go feed my sheep. It's better to powder our hearts before him. Either way, he will powder it. If it is not powdered, that means you are not worthy of the kingdom. what does it say but on this one but on this one but on this one what does it mean he doesn't look at the others there is a looking and a looking right in a classroom is there is a looking and a looking right 500 students sitting but you are looking at one right this one i look this one i look Same way when you're all in the classroom, they're all students. But this one and this one, I look because you know they are interested. God also says, "This one, I look." Lord, what, what does it mean? You don't look at the others. God says, "Yeah, I look, but this look is different." So you want that look from God? God says, "This is how you get that look." 
on him who is poor and a contrite spirit, who trembles at my word. You see how it all falls into place? Why Jesus gave that first blessing? Blessed is the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of God. On the, on earth, who do we look up at? We look up at the rich, the knowledgeable, the mighty, right? All that, that's how we get what he called, uh, applied, not applied, this glory, no? Everybody wants a selfie with a great man, right? Everybody wants a selfie with a great man. Yeah, as a glory with association, no? Nobody will go to a beggar and take a selfie. Have you ever noticed? They will take selfies of them feeding the beggar, not with the beggar. That they will not have. Okay. Jesus is the only one who will take a, a, a selfie with the beggar. The Samaritan woman is practically a prostitute. And he sits at the well with her and talks, daughter, take a selfie here for eternity, a selfie with you. I love you. We won't do that. Isn't that true? Honestly, isn't that true? Everybody wants, yeah, let's go there. For the brethren who are listening for the first time may not understand, this is scripture. First Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 26 onwards. Painful but true. For you see your calling brethren that not many wise according to the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called. It doesn't say any. It says many. If it is any then everybody is gone. It says many. Let's go to it. Those who are wise yeah, 626. Those who are wise, those who are mighty, those who are noble. Isn't that what everybody wants to be? Boy, if the queen were to send this thing, because of your 25 years of cricket, you will be knighted and you will become Sir Virat Kohli. All newspapers will call him Sir Virat Kohli. Noble. Now you are noble. What else? Right? Mighty. Wise. That's what everybody wants to be. That's why everybody goes after this title with two letters, no? Dr. Vijay Itakota. <laughs> and when we say we repent in ashes before that, people can't believe it. Because we realize that becomes the very stumbling block from God calling us. If we put any trust in that, that becomes a stumbling block. That's why Paul will make it very, very clear. What I received, I received not from man, from God. Please don't misunderstand me. I was not called because I was the best student of Gamaliel. I am not speaking what Gamaliel taught me. He is negating his PhD there. But that's the greatest feature of those days. Somebody says Gamaliel was the son of Simeon whom you meet in the temple. That's what a Jewish people say. Simeon's son was Gamaliel. The one who actually said, now you can let me go. One of the stories in the Jewish circles is that Gamaliel was his son. And Paul was his student. Look at the spiritual line you are talking about, if it is true. And he says, no, I received it from Jesus. Not from man. Not many. For God has, what? Not called. Not called. Category 2. Called? Chosen. Chosen the foolish things of the world. Why? If you can just go before God and say, Lord, I am a foolish thing. He said, you are chosen. That is the poor in the spirit. 
the foolish things of the world to put to shame the wise. The weak things of the world put to shame the things which are mighty. Think about it. Peter and John standing before this Sanhedrin. Think about it. Think about it. Peter and John standing. These are, they are themselves saying, Are you going to get out These are guys who pick. Hmm? I mean, they know, the high priest knows John very well. Because his father is the one who provides fish in that Sanhedrin. That's how Peter was allowed to get in. Do you remember John knew the, the guard because they are delivering fish every day. These are fishermen. So he said, no, no. Ah, you, come here. Come here. You come to see the scene. Come, 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 come. How did he, what was the word he put in? I am the one who delivers fish in your house. Now the fish seller is standing before the priesthood and telling them, and they are shocked. They said, how did I get this wisdom? And they said, they were with Jesus. I picked up the foolish things of the world. And there is Stephen standing. Who is Stephen? He's one of the unknown entities. Nobody even knows him. And he's standing before now, giving a discourse on Jewish history to the Sanhedrin. The Sanhedrin is sitting there with mouth open. We are also sitting with mouth open. He's got revelation about Genesis, which is not there in Genesis. And nobody is refuting it. They know it is true. And so many pastors I have read in my life, they still haven't read Stephen's discourse because they think Genesis 12, verse 1, is the first time God spoke to Abraham because they haven't read what the Holy Spirit spoke through Stephen. That God spoke to him when he was in the Ur of the Chaldeans ever before he came to Harar and told him the same thing. And because they don't see it, they are not able to disconnect Abraham's disobedience. They are not able to see it. And I am talking about incredibly learned, mightily used men of God have missed this. I have seen, I am talking about, I have read so many, and very, very rarely do you find a man who is able to connect this and Joshua 24. Genesis 11, Joshua 24 and Acts chapter 7. Who do we get it from? Stephen. Who is he? A foolish thing, a weak thing, standing there before. Dark, 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 dark. It's beginning and going all the way. Then he looked at the man, God, Holy Spirit says, you, hardened fellows. Then they closed the ears. But everything he said was true. Everything he said was true. That's why I like lots of pastors in Kerala. Because they can understand Malayalam. They are simple people. There's one guy yesterday also I listened to him simply. He sings. He can't sing really well. He's, he died. He's dead and gone. In Malayalam, in our local language, the preachers are called Ubadeshi. Ubadesham means uh, counsel, teaching. Ubadeshi is called, he's called Ashari Ubadeshi. What was he? He was a drunken carpenter. And the Lord touched him. Boy, you have to hear these guys, these men of God preach. Put the chronology to shame. You know, it is revelation. They will sing and preach. They will sing and pray. They will speak for one hour, two hours, three hours, four hours. Nobody leaves. And the poor are all sitting there and listening. And he's preached practically all over the world. The Lord took him before he died. He's the guy I told you when he went to US and he had to go to the immigration. He went to the immigration counter like this and the passport in one hand. This thing's the immigration officer, sir, what is this? He said, this is... The book that brought me thus far. So I want to honor this more than this. 
this is my passport with the visa this is the book but this is not what is brought me here this gives me entry this brought me here my lord has led me absolutely no issues of humbling yourself even in a crowd like that simple people if i am right my memory is right he when he preached in the un Deal with the translation. Can you believe it? That's what my memory says. He preached once in the UN also. They have different religious assemblies. And he was one of the guys called to preach. Can you imagine a carpenter? Who is illiterate? And when those people come there and speak the wisdom of God, how do you refute it? Sometimes I wish I never done English and never done literature, never tried to do my PhD because always people will say what I say is because of my background. Without realizing what I say has got nothing to do with my background. What he says has got nothing to do with his background. Because your background suddenly becomes a block. Because people will excuse it and saying, okay, I don't have to know so much because he studied so much, therefore he knows so much. So how can I now study like him? It has got nothing to do with that. You know how people make excuses for their own laziness? This has got nothing to do with what we actually were trained or equipped or anything in. None of the things we have received. But it only comes from an attitude. God has chosen. So how will you become foolish before God? By acknowledging your foolishness before God every day. That's the poverty of the spirit. Lord, without you, I am nothing. Without you, I understand nothing. I know nothing. I can know so many things of this world. It is temporary and useless. It will all go boom. One day it's all gone. And what is left? Eternity. And eternity without you, I am useless. Absolutely useless. And I want to know things which are useful in eternity, Lord. Please, Lord. Without you, I am nothing. I can't even understand my reality. That's what God is talking about. He has chosen the weak things of the world to put to shame the things which are mighty. And the base things of the world and the things which are despised, God has chosen. Base things. He's picked up people who have no bhav, nothing in the society. He does it deliberately, absolutely deliberately. He does it deliberately. You know why? To see that whether we with the human heart will humble itself and sit before them. And if you go to their churches, you can't even sit like that. You have to sit on the floor because they don't have churches. They don't have chairs. You don't have to chair. You have to sit on the floor. But they will preach and you hear them and you will realize, boy, what they say is true. It is true. Base things of the world. Base things of the world. God has chosen the things which are not. Meaning these are things we don't even consider them as worth our attention to bring to nothing the things that are so that no flesh should glory in his presence. This is the struggle of every man. This is our struggle every day. Every day. And if we can cut through this, every day, we are blessed. That's the real, real blessing. Blessed are the poor in spirit. For theirs is the kingdom of God. So we are looking at today, we only looked at word as what? Seed and word has hammer. We look at tomorrow, the word. How the word really, really works. And we have to ask, look at the word and allow the word to work in our lives 
in different, different ways. Because the same word God will use in different, different ways. And we have to see how he is using it so that we can continuously walk in this poverty of the spirit. Because that's the first and therefore the greatest blessing. It is from there you receive everything else. Because if you are not poor, then you won't mourn. If you are not poor, then you are not meek. If you are not poor, then you are not hungry for righteousness. You know it all begins from there, all the other beatitudes. If you are poor in the spirit, then what he told in Matthew 11, you won't be offended by the word. Offended by the word. Why are you offended? Because you are not poor. Because you are rich, you will be offended. The rich get offended. The poor don't get offended. Poor in the spirit, not in other terms. So you need to realize this is the key. And we have to come back to it and say, Lord, make me that Lord. Make me. Make me. Make me. Okay. So if you understand, God says, I found a man after my own heart and he's talking about David. Then you need to realize he was a king, but he was absolutely poor in the heart. Therefore, God gave him around 77 Psalms to write. The sweet psalmist of Israel was a poor man in the spirit. Amen. Let's pray. Father God, we just come to you, Lord, in the name of Jesus. We just thank you. We just praise you. We just worship you, Lord. Thank you. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. We come to you, Father, this evening, Lord. We pray all these things we have heard, we have learned, will become our reality, Lord. Our reality. That little by little or more, you will destroy the self-life, Lord. Because our worst enemy is not outside, it is within ourselves. Unless we die, Christ cannot live in us, Lord. So, Father, I pray that you would continually open our eyes to this reality of what this world is, who we are, and who Christ is. And help us to embrace Christ in his fullness, Lord. That apart from Christ, we have nothing, we are nothing, and we don't want to be anything, Lord, apart from Christ. I bring the church that is listening into thy hands, O Lord. I pray, Father, that I continually give them hearing ears, that believing heart, that a contrite heart, a broken heart. And I pray the word of God will flow into their life and it will become healing and strength for each one who hears, O Lord. It will repair them from inside and build their unshakable, immovable, steadfast spirit, that kingdom within them, Lord. That's the power of your word, O Lord. The power of your word. Thank you, thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. We surrender everything into their hands. Come at this time, the rest of the time, the rest of the night, day, whatever part of the world people are in, into thy hands, O Lord. Make us, transform us in your own image. Thank you, thank you, Lord. For in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.